0: the Hive. Launching new hive
1: sequence. Welcome, welcome to the smarter marketing revolution presented by Hidden Force
2: Media with your host Alex Vonderhaar. Welcome
3: to the Hive. Yo, yo yo, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode. We have something special for you today. I told you in the first episode of the show, if you remember, that we were going to do a whole bunch of different media formats. And I know for a while we had just been doing uh, me kind of just talking with you guys, talking out some ideas, talking about strategy, campaign structures, copywriting, marketing, all the fun tactical stuff, right? But in this episode, you get to hear me at a previous client giving a talk and a presentation to a bunch of other business owners around just basic marketing strategies, what we need to be looking for in the rest of 2022 and beyond so you guys can continue to scale and grow. So if you found value in this episode, which I know you're going to because all of them that we bring at you are straight fire, um, make sure that you share the show. It's how we grow. We've grown organically through word of mouth Uh, to get the massive following that we have on this. Guys, thank you so much for everything with that too. Uh, We were looking at the analytics on this. And we hit over 100,000 downloads within this year so far, which for a show that's only going to have 45 episodes when this one comes out, uh, that, that really says something. It means we're growing organically. It means you guys are really sharing it. I see you guys posting and tagging me on social media, which is awesome. We love seeing that. Um, just, just keep sharing the show, guys. That's all I ask. We're not going to run you ads. We're not going to try to pitch you products so you don't need. Um, eventually, we are going to start giving you guys some of our tech deck, just so you can see what we use, how we use it, and just kind of seeing behind the or under the engine a little bit, but until then, I want to keep keep you guys moving, keep some good content rolling your way in this episode, like I said, you'll be hearing about good marketing strategies to consider. this is going to be a good one to send to your c m o or your c e o or whoever else co owns the business with you. This is going to be a great episode for them to see how all this stuff that we talk about really starts to tie together so Found value, make sure you share it, and I will catch you on the back side of the episode.
1: We've met a couple of times to go over my marketing. He's a neuroscientist. Does neuromarketing. Neuroscientist? Yeah.
4: In a previous life.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Basically could have been a brain surgeon. He's one step away from that. So I always just listen and then go home and look up everything that Alex said. He's in a lot of um, high-level masterminds with some... Um, Good online marketers that I follow that have good practices. Didn't you intern under Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk?
3: V for a little bit.
1: Yeah. So he's in on like what they're doing in online marketing and and where online marketing is going. And you guys said you wanted to learn from marketing. I was like, well, then we should learn from Alex. Are
3: we being analyzed? No, <laughs> not much. You want to be after, <laughs> after <laughs> we leave? After we leave,
1: so there'll be analyzation going on. Um, so Alex has a company, Hidden Falls Media. How old is it
3: media. we turned four in January so before that I was working with flotation therapy tank centers if you know what float tanks are okay. um, we helped build up Cincinnati's biggest float center franchise and then got out from underneath that and started up my own digital agency cool, cool. So
1: cool. take it away Alex
3: so we do a ton of business consulting around where most people get stuck around their idea of marketing. Um, I'm not going to try to bust a paradigm around like what marketing is. We all know how it functions and the importance of it inside of a business. But I want to kind of break it down to a few different levels. Where most people see paid marketing and marketing as an expense in a general form is what we call the entire top side of that. So we have cold audience, warm audience, they're hot, they're ready to buy from you. And at some point in time, there's a mental switch where marketing stops and sales actually begins, whether that's on an e-comm store, whether it's in a sales presentation, or they're walking through a retail center, it doesn't really matter. That mental switch still happens. And we go from a very emotional and story-based logic side of our emotional side of our brain, and we switch into very logic-based, right? And then we're weighing pros and cons, we're weighing price, we're weighing how this person made me feel and how all that starts to stack together. And oftentimes for most businesses, the marketing stops there. And one of the biggest areas of opportunities and what I wanted to try to focus part of this talk today around is how do we structure the backside of our marketing pipeline and invest into it the same way we would the top side. So most people here, you gotta have Facebook ads, you gotta have Google ads, you gotta do you know, organic content and the list goes on and on for the top side, which is great because we always need to have that new flow moving in, but how as a business do we take that same amount of effort and energy and focus on the backside of our marketing? Oftentimes you'll hear email and SMS are a great way to do that because they are right. We already have them. They're warmed up inside of our pipeline. We know they've purchased from us. How do we get them back into the door for another opportunity or just keeping top of mind? What we see a lot of times is on the backside of that pipeline, what ends up happening is we move from that first stage, which is called the honeymoon phase. They just bought from you. They just engaged with you. They had a conversion of some form. They're excited. They're warm. They're happy. And then over time, they start to move into the, what have you done for me recently phase? And this is where your three-star reviews typically will happen. This is where if you have a negative or positive experience in either way, it can be swung to back inside of your brand or even into a competitor. So we really try to focus from that visionary spot of how do we control the, what have you done for me recently phase and prevent them from falling into the bottom part of that, which is just a death zone, right? They haven't re-entered into the top side of that pipeline or if they've completely gone to a different competitor at this point, how do we prevent that competitor swing to happen, or how do we look at bottom of funnel from even happening at all? Everybody with me on how that's stacking? So from this, one of the best ways that is inside of marketing in general is surprise and delight. It fires off the most amount of dopamine inside of the brain and dopamine is the reward chemical for anything that's built around new experiences. So dopamine gets a really bad rap and most of the time it's based around drugs or drug addiction, which just isn't true. For a lot of like cocaine and other substances it can be, but where we see it inside of purchasing and everywhere else inside of our life, it's built around a new behavior that we did as a human being, resulted in a positive experience or a positive behavior, and therefore it gets rewarded. So from a business lens, your customer hit that sales process, they went through a new behavior, and then oftentimes there's no reward on the back side of that. So we're killing off the opportunity most of the time as a business to implement different ways to reward and to thank people. So it's the high before we hit the marriage. Right. So on the back side of that, how are we developing marketing strategies to fit that phase directly? Because now we're finishing up that entire neurological system and now it's complete. The brain feels happy. The body feels happy and they don't ever go through that weird justification process after a purchase of why did I just do that? Why did I waste $300? When my wife asked me on my credit card bill, why this is all here, you'll have that story of, wow, this is going to help us here. It's going to do this. They're going to remember all those benefits because the brain has completely looped that story together and now there's a close. So from a marketing lens, how do we focus on what we call the post purchase value add on the back side of it? So is it a a handwritten thank you note that comes in the mail three days later to then re-trigger that and now we're back in top of mind? It's one of the cheapest forms of marketing, but one of the most effective. And we love to use it inside of our agency simply for that fact of we're calling back to experience because just like when you had kids or when you're learning something new, you have to have the recall back to that great experience for them to continue down that path that you want them to go down. So is it a handwritten thank you note? Is a branded t-shirt box that you then send to them? And the key to this is that waiting period. Just like when we learn new behaviors. When we learn a new behavior, the most important thing after we learn something new is what? If we're learning a new skill, what's the most important thing for us to do right after we learn that skill? Use it, practice, of take practice a, it. Take a nap. Hmm. Take a nap. Five minutes, 10 minutes, just shut your eyes and close off your brain. Sometimes that can be dangerous Mm It can be, as long as you're not driving, that's the new skill, right? But after that, this is when our brain actually starts to wire, is we have to give ourselves time to be forgotten a little bit, and to kind of close down away from the experience. Because if it's right after the experience, our emotions are still at a peak state, right? We haven't dealt with all the other troubles that are in the world. We haven't dealt with the 50 text messages that all of us are gonna walk out of here from. you'll remember the next few days is when you get that thank you note in the mail you'll go wow i absolutely remembered how great that was i remember that they had this experience with us they were talking about how much of a cincinnati reds fan they were and then we can build that into the thank you note and now we're connecting on story based levels again and we moved out of that transactional mindset back up into a warmer hot lead again in some way whether you're getting them to take a call to action on subscribing to a newsletter referring a friend getting them to spread or write a review about you this can all happen when we stack it chronologically and we can do this with content too and this is where a lot of people are like focusing on top of funnel all the time you have to we have to always have these leads but as we're coming through and focusing on that where is our social fitting inside of our total pipeline does it truly need to sit top of funnel can it sit middle can it sit bottom Does it even sit on the backside? I was talking earlier that our pod, well, it wasn't to you guys, but our podcast just crushed 100,000 downloads in 45 episodes and we launched it at the first part of this year. The reason being is we knew from the beginning it wasn't never going to sit top of funnel for us. We don't want it to. It's not meant to sit inside of a cold audience. What it's meant to do is sit middle and bottom of funnel to get people to purchase with us. So it's understanding where each piece of our content can then be layered in So as we go through the process of looking at, should we add social media in these areas? Should we look at a website redesign? It's knowing how this all starts to flow together to create that customer journey, and how are we rewarding them as they move through each stage? So when most people think social media, it's, wow, I gotta get all these followers, I need to have all this reach. It's not the case, as long as it's not sitting top of funnel. If it is, then absolutely, and that's our strategy. We have to pump our marketing dollars and experience and expertise into that top of funnel to let it fish in all these different ponds. But for most businesses, social media that should truly sit middle and bottom, which is getting your customers from that cold to warm, get them to know, like, and trust your staff, getting them to understand who you are as a person, because the days of buying off of a logo are long gone. They want to know your story. They want to know what you're involved with. They want to know what your kids are up to. They want to know if your wife's involved in the business and how she's helped you from going bald or gray by the time you reach twenty five, right? All these things really start to Mine go- is,
5: but didn't <laughs> you
6: work with your wife. I mean it just exacerbated
4: you.
3: <laughs> but that it's starting to piece it all together to see inside of our overall strategy, how can we do this? and start looking at how do I connect emotionally with all of our clients. So I have something physical in front of us. Um, We want to open it up and look at it. I want to give you guys a tool around um, some emotional kind of ninja stuff. It's the best way Um, to describe it.
1: Steve, if you, uh, maybe I can email it to you. So I'll I'll take a picture, Owl, hello (laughs) Owl. I will take a picture of the card, Mary and Steve front and back, and I'll email it to you, okay?
3: I have a digital copy too that I can send over Lisa. Um, So looking at this real fast, there are six human needs as to why your customers are ever going to buy from you. This has been psychologically tested and proven over hundreds of millions of dollars of Google, Amazon, Nike. uh, Disney has spent a even monumental more amount on figuring this stuff out. And it's all based around neuroscience and psychology around consumer behavior, consumer needs, and then how do we marry that up with content? Because one of the biggest pain points I hear as an agency owner is, I don't know what to put on social. I don't know why I'm not getting engagement, but somehow people are still wanting me to be there. So why and how do we actually execute? So the six human needs are certainty, uncertainty, significance, growth, contribution, and love and belonging. So each one of those can operate singly, or we can operate with... Combinations of them. And if you look back at all your major buying decisions in your life, whether you and even into getting into a relationship with somebody, while you're friends with certain people, they make you feel one of these things consistently. Just takes a little bit of introspection to get there. <laughs> the, was it the growth one? No, the uncertainty Oh, the uncertainty, yeah. He's my tech guy. Well, the uncertainty one's kind of interesting because that's our dopamine lever. So that's that monkey brain or lizard brain, as you'll hear, that wants to constantly pull the new behavior lever. It's why social media apps are designed the way they are is because you don't know what's coming next. So it's very much like a slot machine from that realm.
6: That's why I don't go on social media.
3: Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, The certainty one is really interesting, too. Certainty comes in a lot of different forms. So the idea that when I go through... Um, when I buy a car, right? I want the color that I said I wanted. If they ship me a black car and I wanted a maroon one, I'm going to be really unhappy, right? It doesn't mean I wouldn't necessarily like another color, but I was certain that when I placed that order, that's what I wanted. The uncertainty side, we can fulfill from the handwritten thank you card. That's unexpected. That post-purchase value add that totally came out of nowhere from surprise and delight. And when you start to stack all these together, we can see how we can put together an entire marketing strategy. Significance is great. This is one that I see a lot of, but not many business owners tap into it. This is our top chimp status. So I wanna feel important, I wanna feel special, I wanna be called out, I wanna be recognized. There's so many people that don't recognize each other in our society for the brilliance and their superpowers that they bring to the table. And as owners and leaders of your company, what happens when you recognize people? Right? They light up, they get so excited. It's like you just illuminated their world for the first time. Especially when you get good at calling out superpowers, it starts to change the game a little bit. Now you're elevating outside of what your competitors are doing, which is just sold, I've got a sale, I have an offer. We make our customers feel significant. We make them feel special in these different ways. And it's baked into the strategy of how we do things. Growth is the same thing. Humans always love to be grow- growing. It's baked into our DNA, it's baked into our evolution and it's everything that we ever wanna be. Some people have that to a lesser degree than others, and we see that with my 600-pound life oftentimes, where they don't don't wanna grow. But the ones that do end up going through that program, and they've developed whole TV channels based around growth, right? It's one of the top-rated TLC shows, So Is How to Fix a Home, or um, The House Flippers, right? It's all based around growth and growing through an experience together, and they're bringing you, dragging, kicking, and screaming through the experience but you can see how it's growing the business or how it's growing the entertainment contribution this is a big one um, specifically with females females love the human need of contribution in some way shape or form whether that's hey we give back to a nonprofit. hey all of our team members get to contribute into this next charity event that we're doing we're contributing into the growth of our company and every voice matters in some way shape or form because of their superpower then the last one, which is my favorite, which nobody taps into very well, but the ones that do explode with massive growth, which is love and belonging. You'll hear people say, you gotta build a tribe, you gotta build a following, you gotta build a community. But why, right? Like why, buy, why build this entire social media platform or why build in a huge following if they don't feel love and that they belong here? This human emotion is so left out in marketing that it leaves massive opportunity for somebody to take it over. Does anybody know what the biggest love and belonging campaign to ever exist is? And it's still going on today. Nope. Call. No, we're getting closer though. It's the Happy Meal. Huh? Ray Kroc literally figured out how to sell love and belonging because when you buy my product, when you buy a Happy Meal, I'm literally selling you happiness. I'm certain about what I get in my Happy Meal. Selling
6: your path to the 600 pound life. Right.
3: But but look look at how he did this, right? He set up certainty. I know exactly what I get inside of every Happy Meal as far as overall order. There's a little bit of uncertainty in there too with what the toy is. And if you remember with your kids going through the McDonald's drive-thru and you didn't get the toy that you want or that no, they wanted no, back in line go. all hell broke loose, right?
1: Babies.
3: Significance. They made you feel special because it was in a different packaging than everything else, right? Growth. It made you feel like you were growing into the next stage, right? I was out of the kitty meals and I got to actually kind of start to grow into more adult-based meals. Contribution. Oftentimes they did the add the dollar for the Ronald McDonald house, and then the love and belonging, they literally named the product something that made you feel like you belonged and that there was love based inside of the product. It's the number one selling meal in the world. It's also the number one way that any toy company has ever sold a toy. They took all six human needs and stacked them together inside of their product. Now, from a content perspective. What so by happenstance answer was it knowingly? He knew this. Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc knew this. He hired a bunch of psychologists. he was a real estate guy. I mean, he he was a real estate guy, and he figured out the triple levels around real estate too, right, of not just owning the building but owning the property and then yeah, leasing I it. I did put anything on the building. Right. Of, on the land. So it, it's kind of genius, and then how you start to stack these together. Businesses that truly understand the six human needs escalate out of any other marketplace that they're ever in. Competition doesn't matter because competition is focused on price. They're focused on what they perceive – their value to the marketplaces, but not really what the customers want to see. Customers want you to connect with them emotionally, and this is how we do it. And then from a content side, starting to piece this together. Entertainment is one of the best forms of content. It's why we're on social. We like to be entertained. Education is another one. We're always wanting to learn. It's why YouTube is the number two search platform in the entire world next to Google, and Google owns YouTube. They're a search-based platform, and they just happen to do it with videos. And the last piece of content that ever goes viral is impactful content. So what I mean by impactful, we've all seen them, especially on Facebook. It's the sister standing there with her group of friends at of high school, and the older brother from the military academy comes in. The sad, sappy piano music starts playing. You start crying. I'm crying. We're crying. We all know what's about to happen, right? The big reveal comes, and all the emotions start flooding. I'm crying watching my phone. My girlfriend's crying watching her phone watching me. The, the whole thing breaks down into waterworks. So now that we know all the variables and the pieces, on the back side of this is how we can actually start to test out a content strategy for each of your businesses. So all we did was we took the six human needs and added the variable, the different forms of content, which gives you 18 different pieces of content inside of your business now to test. My recommendation would be that you try this strategy over three or four different iterations with different forms of content. And what you'll find is that two or three of these will really highlight and stick out. So then when you go to create your next content strategy, when you go to create your next website, when you go to create your next Facebook or Google ad, you already know what to use. The mental roadmap of emotion and content is already planned out and tested organically. What you'll find is that your customers will engage with you more. They'll be more likely to buy from you. The post purchase value ads going to mean more and they'll get more of a dopamine hit off of it. And that the customer retention and lifetime value just extends because we understand them emotionally. They're going to come back and refer friends because we're not chasing price. We're not, even during a recession, we're not chasing price. We'll start to chase quality. So on the back side of this, as we start to grow, it really is the secret weapon to help unlock a lot of your marketing. I have a few more minutes, but I wanted to take this time. I know that we covered a lot of kind of high-level high stuff. <laughs> See you, Joey. I wanted to cover questions of anything you guys have around this. Or marketing in general.
1: So in terms of your content strategy list here, is the idea just to focus in on the one or two that you're really that really hit your sweet spot, or is it to offer content that hits all the different varieties of combinations?
3: Once you test it out and find out which combination really works then I would take the Pareto principle or the 80-20 rule and put 80% of the ones into the ones that you know are gonna hit and then continually fish inside of the other ones because it could just be you haven't hit on the right medium of content, whether it's video, written word, audio, you have no idea. Same thing with, um, it may just be that the content itself of what you're actually talking about didn't connect with that audience yet. Do
5: you see different, do you guys have any data on which content strategies are most impactful inside certain verticals?
3: So which vertical will we want to talk about, tech? Uh,
5: That's the one most interesting to (laughs) me. Okay.
3: So I find most people, so whenever certainty is involved in the decision, oftentimes people want to educate, which seems intuitively correct, but everybody educates inside of the tech field, Mm -hmm. but nobody cares. As long as it does what I need it to do, I don't have downtime, and my team's secure, and I don't have to worry about security breaches. I still love what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking from a techie world of what I do, everything we do around neuromarketing is techie, and nobody wants to know about all the technical bells and whistles for the most part, unless they're also techie. Sure. So unless I'm selling to somebody that's directly like me,
0: mm-hmm.
3: they're not going to care. So I would test around the different ideas of like impact and infotainment, at that point and let them really explore you and your brand. Because then when you start talking in tech, they're gonna understand you more because they just understand you. Sure.
1: What if you tied it into growth more like um, when you know that all your back end systems are secure, then you're able to focus on this, this, and this and grow your business and yeah. we'll grow along with you. So focus on them being able to grow if you can do this certainty. Yeah, yeah. Versus how you grow
3: or what you're offering is how can
1: they grow if they have you Taking care of that. How do you make that'll stop? I mean a tech problem stops everything.
3: Yeah Especially today.
1: Yeah, not the
3: same. It was 10 15 years ago The other way I would look at that is look at who's actually consuming your content So when we go and do our outbound marketing, we never go after the CEO of a company Because how often is a CEO really scrolling through social media consistently sure? very rarely. What I'll go after is I'll go after their current marketing department, I'll go after their graphics department, I'll go after the VA's, I'll go after their assistants. And then I'm creating content around how it's going to make them look significant when they bring this amazing opportunity to the boss. Wow, this person brought this great opportunity to them. And now I'm able to grow the company because of that figuring out who our audience is is just as important as how we're connecting with them emotionally. Because if I take this entire strategy and run it against a CEO versus somebody that's inside of a marketing department, it's going to look totally different. Yeah. How
6: do you describe the demographics of your client base?
3: Mine specifically? Your firm? Uh, a lot of e-commerce. So typically we deal with e-commerce business owners who have been with multiple agencies before. And for whatever reason, the agency has failed. And it's typically based off of um, not clear KPIs. That's usually when we get in the door and start working with people. It's because they don't have a clear marketing strategy, because their KPIs are unknown, and nobody's ever held to numbers. I love numbers. I'm a data nerd.
1: So when we worked with Alex, though, we, do you still do the two-day deep dive mm-hmm. or day? Okay, so when we, the whole reason I have this wall here is because Alex was like, okay, we're gonna do your customer journey, In physical form like we had to go over to his office and i was i was so mad (laughs) i was like i know my customer journey is i cannot believe i have to go find all this stuff print all this stuff outside print it all put it on the table within 30 minutes of talking to me he's like if people buy this there's no path for them to buy this like if they because i was doing it like you could buy multiple things so the next month we eliminated the ability to buy the solid cart and went into one and then we renamed the whole thing and we went from seven steps down to three in six months and we had to educate our audience when we did that, but now I love this wall because I can see everything that I market and I can see my whole customer journey and um, we just have the latest products in here whenever we have a meeting. So just even that, like understanding, having to verbalize how I got to what the customer journey was and we're 10 years in and he was able to say, yeah, but that doesn't make sense for the consumer. So then we changed a lot of stuff on the back end so that they could optimize it in the marketing so people could buy easier Mm -hmm. and understand. And I think that's the part, because I've worked with multiple marketing firms, and they always do that deep dive day, but usually they're like, show me all the lead magnets, show me the funnels, show me the this, and then they're like, okay, here's how we can optimize the content on that page, versus what is the end thing you're trying to do, what are you selling, what audience do you already have, okay, does that even make sense? So I think people skip that step.
3: It's going and operating off that entire strategy from cold all the way through we know people are going to fall out of our business it's just part of the cycle Mm -hmm. so how do we keep people in that what have you done for me recently phase and reinforce that with content we're reinforcing that with different offers that's why i have my podcast because i didn't want my customers to feel like i wasn't educating them anymore connecting with them but when you start getting volume it's hard to connect with all of them all the time so what's a good easy way for them to still get value from us and not fall out and forget why they actually had these emotions with us in the first place
2: is it
3: a weekly podcast i post about twice a week but my content is under 10 minutes so it's meant to be just quick snippets and then every once in a while we'll bring in guests that are a little bit longer like an hour and then we'll cut it but not produced i don't run ads for it it's as frictionless as possible to get it's on every platform and it cost me about $40 a month to do that.
1: Wow. Yeah, podcasts do not cost a lot of money. They're just time.
3: It's time. And then any more, you can buy a $600 little mixer board. that will upload your intro and your outro and everything that you have in there. It'll plug all your microphones in, so it'll literally spit out a finished product. Then you fun. just schedule them out and upload them. Yeah, so so how,
6: many people, <laughs> how many people are in your firm and how many... Folks are. I mean, so you're engaged for a while, and then you kind of fade away and help educate and come back as needed. Is that how the-
3: it all depends on where that relationship is? So, first off, we have nine people inside of our agency. Anything from web developers, graphic artists, uh, media buyers, the whole gamut. So Business
6: freelancers.
3: All staff. Okay. Yeah, and then on the customer journey side, we start with the two-day deep dive. To map out that exact thing that we talked about we have to know a strategy when we go into marketing if we just piecemeal hey i want to start buying google ads or facebook ads and we don't know how that's going to hit the chain of events that have to happen oftentimes this is where wasted ad spend comes in you'll get frustrated with an agency and we have no idea what we're actually getting graded on so from that standpoint when we're aligning kpis it has to happen that way and then we look at okay does it make sense to add in paid ads somewhere? Are we playing defense against our own keywords on Google? Or are we playing defense against our brand on Google? Because right now, if you're not paying at least a few dollars a month on Google to protect your brand name, I can come in and just bid five cents on every click and I'm gonna get all your traffic. It's the easiest thing you can do to protect your brand online. Just pay for Google ads against yourself. You don't even have to go lead hunting. Just pay for the protection. And then on the backside, where do we lay in email and SMS? Where do we lay in the lead magnets? And why are we putting them there to feed a specific action? Do we know that when they reach halfway through our sales process, they fall out because they're starting to feel uncertain? So how do we create certainty and education on a document or inside of a PDF or inside of a thing that we mail them, knowing this is going to happen, now we're reinforcing that before it even happens. So we get to play chess and not checkers.
5: So and you kind of alluded to it, but do you guys do SEO in house or is it something you collaborate with other firms?
3: We collaborate with other firms for SEO. And the reason being is that SEO is it's, it's very much important, but it's very much a set it and forget it for a lot mm-hmm. of people and a lot of businesses. It's just, hey, well, let's throw off blog articles. Um, I think there's more dynamic ways to utilize SEO that involve podcasting, multimedia, different collaboration opportunities with different brands that share your same audience. And that really opens you up a lot more than just creating blog posts every month, which is what most people's definition around SEO is. So I look at those different options and see how we can integrate them. So you really don't need SEO. All the other efforts that we're putting in outside of like meta tags or descriptions around pages are actually feeding that growth organically.
5: Okay interesting we're going through an seo review and process right
3: now yeah i mean a podcast is a great way to do that it's multimedia so from a podcast you can take that uh audio transcription run it through a platform like Mm rev.com and it'll spit out the entire thing that's transcribed or if you have premiere pro as a video editing tool it'll spit out transcribed audio for you and then you can just upload it as blog posts and pay a va five dollars a blog post to go and add images edit the text, make sure it reads well, and now you've got all your posts out there that you need to do, and it was practically free.
5: Interesting.
6: Steve, Mary, you got any questions? Y'all being quiet on the computer over
2: here. Uh, I'm just coughing a lot, so I'm glad you guys aren't hearing cough so much. I don't have any questions, but I did want to ask, um, Lisa, did you send us that digital copy? Yeah. Or is that... Okay. did you get no, i haven't got. i i, no, I got
4: it. it i got the copy
2: i i didn't get do, do you know what email you sent it to because i haven't i i haven't gotten it let's see oh i just got it i just got it <laughs> i just got
3: go. it i got it lisa i'll leave this stack with you hey, so. technology is
4: wonderful when it works <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. I don't know anyway <laughs> so my only question would be is what is the better platform for advertising which one seems to be the best platform for advertising is it LinkedIn? whatever it is
3: who's your audience or what do you sell and to who that's a cpa firm so you're selling to business owners or individuals individuals and businesses so you have a few different ways you can approach that. I would definitely if do you have a local um like an office building where they come and meet with you?
4: Yes, we have actually three of them Columbus, Dayton, and Cincinnati.
3: So I would play Google very very well and then I would also look at LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a very interesting ad platform because it doesn't work the same as Facebook or Google. LinkedIn is the only ad platform out there in the social media realm that doesn't act on an active auction site. So Facebook, Google, TikTok, Snapchat, if you wanted to do uh, display-based ads on Bing, all of those act on an auction site. So the idea that um, if Bailey's willing to spend a dollar to protect all of her keywords and names and her ads, and I'm willing to spend a dollar and one cent, I'm gonna outbid Bailey every day of the week and I'm just gonna play that game. And there's a million businesses that play that game. LinkedIn's a little bit different. LinkedIn will look at Bailey's keywords that she's going after. Let's say she's going after the profession of CEOs, which is a very highly rated, highly interest-based group on LinkedIn. Then LinkedIn knows based off of your job title when you enter it, how long you spend on the platform, how many days a week you actually log in, and then what content you engage for and how long. So they know CEOs typically aren't on their platform very long, so it's a quick in and out. So that already eliminates a lot of potential screen time for the ads. They also look at their rate of click throughs and how often they actually convert into a sale. So if they know that those metrics are really low, they'll actually set a floor price on what's called a CPM or a cost per thousand. So let's say for most CEO titled roles on LinkedIn, you can expect to spend about $50 to $75 as a base per cost per thousand impressions. On Google, that can be completely different. I may be able to get a $20 or $30 CPM or a $10 CPM depending on which part of the country I'm in. Or if none of my other CPA firms around me are bidding on keywords in that area, I can get them for a fraction of a dollar on every click. So it it truly does depend on what your marketing strategy is going to be around that. But at minimum, I would recommend playing defense against your own keywords and your brand name. I would definitely play defense against your specific name and then CPA on the back side of it because odds are they're going to search your name and then CPA more than they're going to search your actual business name unless somebody gave them a card with your name on it. They're going to say, call my friend Tom, call, call my friend Jim, and then... Oh, as you do, as a CPA in Columbus, right? And all they'll remember is Jim, Columbus, CPA, and they'll start to stack these things together.
4: Okay, thanks.
3: Yeah, no problem. That was a really good question.
6: Speaking of promotion, where did you get the name Hidden Falls?
3: So it's tongue-in-cheek. Nobody wants a little piddly revenue stream coming in, and most people right. don't like the idea of their marketing team being public. So, it's, we're essentially your hidden revenue stream, but nobody likes a stream. Everybody wants a waterfall.
6: <laughs> I prefer an ocean, but I there you 100%. go. <laughs> and Bailey, what's your You role? Oh, uh, you,
3: oh, I'm sales. You're sales? Yeah. Okay. Okay, you guys. A I lot prettier a, than I I have am.
2: eight questions.
3: Yeah, eight <laughs> questions? All right.
2: Yeah, I have a question.
4: I'll we'll hold you to one question
6: sorry <laughs>
1: Good
2: luck, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Mary. On. Okay. um so i run a company of a company that is um one of a con but so we don't have any competitors which is you know great um but so when it comes to social media uh, i i do some of it but um like google's asked to do certain things keywords blah 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 but most of what we do, a lot of people don't really understand. It's, it's in the educational world. And so, you know, I love doing social media, and I, I would love to sell this stuff. But it's really hard for us to sell it because it's, it's, um, it's a hard concept um, since we sell to school districts a lot more than anything else. So is that, I mean, we're, we're very engaged on social media. But I have to be honest, it's not the way I sell my product at all. People just know about us because we're a cool company that does some really cool posts beyond that you know we talk about careers for kids and credentialing but most people don't understand that we actually run curriculum that provides that to school districts and state governments to really our are, are purchasers so i mean i guess my question is is i think i'm just going to keep being fun on social media because i can't really sell i don't really understand it <laughs> the well, typical a, person that's
6: I, a comment mary that's not a question
2: okay what so i mean have you have, have you ever come across Companies that really um, are anything like that. I I mean, like I've I've been, I'm, I'm a former professor of Harvard and everything like that. So being the prime mover is a great position to be in. It's also pretty lonely since we have to kind of develop our own way to sell our our product. But um, social media hasn't really been that great for.
3: So uh, I have you ever come across? Yeah, I was that yeah i have so you're 100 percent right and it's we talked about earlier where are you actually positioning social media inside of your marketing strategy for a brand like yours or a product or a service like yours you're right social media is never going to sit bottom of funnel for you you're not e-commerce you're not a quick lead gen process right there's steps and processes that have to go in for that lead to actually convert or even show interest so I think staying top of funnel with social would be a great idea. Even a back end, bottom of funnel social media or a Facebook group or a private group chat with people would be a great opportunity around that. And where do you label that inside of your post purchase value add, like we talked about? Is there a back end group that people get access to where they get access to either your time, your information, or your team? And how can you layer that in? But I would still play defense against your brand words just because you're the only one that does what you do doesn't mean that you don't have competition. You're still competing for the same pool of money that everybody else is that's going for that school district. So whether that's food, whether that's tech, whether that's infrastructure, you're still bidding against people for competition. It may just not be inside of the same field that you're in. So you still have to be able to close that loop. Right. Right.
2: Usually we do just because we have high quality and we like a lot, we're a nonprofit, we actually provide great results, and a lot of nonprofits don't even provide a result. So, <laughs> everyone loves proof that we're actually adding value. But, yeah, I mean, I'm competing with a lot of people for those same dollars. It's just it's not like I'm, I'm a consumer packaged good, if you know sure. what I
3: mean. Sure, totally. And yep. um, anything that's tech, anything that's high intelligence related, you have to focus so much on your copywriting skills around what the product or service is in order to do a lot of what we talked about today. So the idea that I'm in, for you, as much as you're investing into the social side of things, I would highly look at getting a really skilled copywriter to come in and review your websites, your PDFs, your supplemental or collateral material that you're leaving behind. Anything that has written word that you're trying to get to your customer, having a professional copywriter come and look at that because there's so much information that you have to provide would be extremely valuable from a marketing investment.
2: Right, and and we 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 do do that because we have a we we write cases. We're we're a case writer. That's we great. Harvard, but we, we do. We're blessed. We have a lot of really good writers. So so we have copyrights and we've got a few patents and we protect everything. But as you know, intellectual property is is great until somebody <laughs> infringes. So
3: yep, trust yeah. me. I've walked down that path multiple times with multiple lawyers. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good question.
6: So, I don't know if is you or Bailey, but so I come across somebody who says I'm looking for somebody to help me with the whole social media website mm-hmm. type get more clients in the door deal. Yep. There's a lot of people. Out there. So, what's the unique pitch other than saying there's dudes a neuroscientist guy? <laughs> right? I mean, what's the what's the pitch?
3: Yeah. So with that, it truly is a comprehensive look on everything that we do so oftentimes when you go to an agency they'll want to piecemeal things together Mm -hmm. and that's why most marketing strategies fail is that they don't have the team that's connected enough to be able to handle that growth so they don't have people that specialize in email and sms they don't have paid media experts and they don't have copywriters they don't have web developers all in the same building oftentimes agencies will outsource that to other people because they don't have the competent skills to do that all of that's done in-house. We're all based in America to do those skills, and we're five minutes down the road that way. And we like doing stuff in person. So you don't
6: have staff all over. You're all on the same. Yeah,
3: um, we have we have consultants. So like, if we have super hard like custom coded websites, we have a guy in the UK that helps us with that, but he's world class. But oftentimes, I never recommend that we go with him. And the reason being is that custom coded websites are always bound to fail. You're a slave to the person that originally built it for you, and if you ever want to upgrade infrastructure, it's a pain in the ass.
1: I know, right. <laughs> I'm well that wasn't, aware. That wasn't
3: a dig.
4: So Saying
1: that my that website's I'm a pain in the butt. I'm
4: at the table yeah. So the question: um, I'm on the board of a of a nonprofit. Um, actually, it's a Claremont Chamber of Commerce, and we're getting ready to redo our website Mm -hmm. and it's going to cost a buku amount of money i'm sure um so what did you say about i missed the part of it that you were talking about being careful when you're putting in a new website
3: yeah you just don't want it to be a custom coded site so you want it to be built on something like wordpress or uh or webby or wix or something that's actually going to serve you but based off of what you guys are doing it would probably be a wordpress site and then making sure that it doesn't get bogged down by useless information. One of the most overlooked parts of website development is copywriting, and I, the words we use to sell are just as important as the images, just as important as the platform. A picture may be worth a thousand words, but it's the six or seven that are associated with it that are gonna make you take a buying decision. It's very rarely the image. So how are we yeah. leveraging and yeah. copy as we're moving through? And most web teams won't offer copy, All they'll do is they'll just say, you give us the image, the copy, what you want it to look like, and we'll build it, which is ridiculous. You're going to a marketing agency. They should know the psychology of why people buy what they buy online. They should know that there's a format as to how our brain and our eyes want to read websites. And there are formulas around that that they should be using. And most people just don't even know that that exists. Yeah,
4: because I know one of the important things for us is we put a lot of, they put a lot of stuff on The website, so it's got to be where we, where the person that's in charge of the marketing for us can can update it and add stuff and add events
3: or definitely and having and having a custom coded site prevents that a lot of times unless the person who's updating that is on staff or you're going to be paying them a couple hundred dollars an hour to constantly update stuff as you move along.
4: Yeah, no, we have somebody on the stand
3: that. That's great. That's great. Thank you. How did I not end up at PNG? I don't do well in corporate structures. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He'd prefer to work the 20 hours a day himself, thank you. Yeah.
3: Right. <coughs> cool. Any other questions? You kind of hopped in late. I didn't get to meet you. Sorry. You're I'm
0: trying to solve my Albert leasing, so we have our own. I'm curious. My wife's a self practicing attorney. Okay. And uh, I'm always amazed. She, she built her own little website because she was an IT before mm-hmm. she became an attorney. And I don't know how people find them on our website because like Monday morning, you got two phone calls out of the blue off her website, Cl- clients wanting to sign up with her. So I don't understand how that, somehow <laughs> she thinks, she signed up through like Addo and a couple of the referral sites. Mm-hmm. And she must get referrals and get yeah. moved up the list somehow.
3: I don't know how that works. One of the best tools for anybody that's lead-based is getting super strong on your Google My Business listing. It's free. If you do it correctly and set it up to plug into your website, you'll get more leads than what you know what to do with if you update it a few times a week. I don't know.
0: I
6: mean, it's just... I'm curious how that all works. Hire someone under the age of 18, Pat, and you'll be set. (laughs) (laughs) You know, to me,
0: first of all, I would never... Look right. for an attorney and hire an attorney right. on a website. <laughs> I would never do that, right? That's true. But I, I'm amazed <clears> always <throat> at the people that will do it. And they're not younger folks. Right? Yeah, right. This is corrupt.
3: So here's a really interesting study. They looked at under the age of 40 back in 2016. So now would be. Uh, under yeah, under 45. It takes seven points of contact online for them to make one lead decision. So if I'm gonna to go to your wife to decide if I want to use her as my attorney, I'm gonna look in seven different places online to find her. Over that age, they're gonna pick up the phone and call. And they prefer it. Under that age, you have to meet your technology where their yeah. psychology is. So if they want to chat, with, so like, I, I take my girlfriend is technically a, what's the generation under millennial? barely barely in that range by like six or seven months she will never like last night DoorDash messed up our order she would not call the restaurant to say DoorDash messed up my order will you fix it she would much rather where's the chat bot for me to figure that out and talk to them directly it's a totally different world and mindset around communication then when we go above that 45-year-old spectrum, it shifts entirely. I want to call to somebody. I want to talk to them. I want to know their name. And then I'm going to write their name down, so the next time I call, I can remember who I talked to. And if I need to be escalated to a manager, I can say I talked to Phyllis. Which has
0: been interesting because that's not been the case. Most of the, most of the folks are calling, because I was in state, state planning and elder care. Mm-hmm. So she's dealing with you know, a, a, like a, a son or daughter, perhaps, or one of the spouse or husband and the, they will call up and they're easily in their 50s or 60s. And they'll, they'll, they'll basically go to the website and send her a, an email or they'll, in some cases, send her a text or may call. Mm-hmm. But more times than not, it's usually just a, a response to the, to the website. Isn't it great?
3: Which, you wake up every morning with leads in your inbox. What could yeah. be better? What do I do to pay you back? <laughs> I don't
6: know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure it what? out. You know, the strongest and qualified and regular. No, they're, right. very <laughs> they're
1: probably Googling it at work. Yeah. They've pretty good, frankly. Need.
0: That's amazing. Because yeah. I've tried to get her to say, well, ask them why they came to you. hmm a lot of times they'll say because your picture or you look like you're because she's obviously an older elder care attorney, so they relate to her age group as opposed to somebody that's you know twenty five. What if I told you that so Google they...
3: spent three hundred million dollars and determined that people don't know why they actually come and buy from you? <laughs> really? Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of people through FMRI machines watching how they interact with Amazon, watching how they interact with big box retailers online. Yeah. They the reason that they tell you as to why they bought what they bought is not entirely accurate it's closer to like 17 to 20% accurate. A lot of why we buy what we buy online is entirely subconscious. And then that goes for any conversion, whether that's lead forms, whether that's I'm buying buying a car on Carvana now, which is totally unheard of. Before 20 years ago, you would never have thought that you were gonna be buying cars online.
6: I would never do a positive correlation in the number of glasses of wine prior to? This. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
1: I would think because she's a woman, too. There aren't that many older female lawyers, and you're in a state. And I would I don't think know. that's a good part
6: of it. Yeah, maybe I should get her name bad. I, I only have one other lady attorney I refer people to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I just It's, it's mind boggling,
0: frankly, but you know, it, it, it happens. It
6: just yeah. seems to work. Interesting.
0: But like I would, yeah. I mean, I'm in the car business. i been in it mm-hmm. for 35 years. I would never buy a car online, never. Yeah, I was the last buy from year from Carvana, given the cars I've sold to Carvana. <laughs> you, you
5: you don't know what you're getting it's yeah, right, it's, yeah. unless it's a new vehicle. Yeah. I didn't know anybody who had until 12 months ago. I know five people who bought from Carvana in the last 12 months. They're, 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 they can't find anywhere else. It's with the luck of the draw. I mean, you don't know what you're getting.
3: The other side of that is we were talking about the dopamine switch earlier. People find a lot of dopamine from just scrolling on auction sites.
5: Mm-hmm. I know one person who bought because they wanted to go put a coin into the vending machine that Carvana has. Um,
4: really? Yeah, about you the a vending
5: machine. They knew what kind of car they were going to buy, and they wanted the experience of the Carvana vending. machine that thing over Kentucky on the way to the airport the big? Uh,
6: yeah. and, uh, no, no, that's, and the, a, that's, and the that's a Lexus dealership. <laughs> that's Lexus dealership. But it looks
3: like that. I thought it was a vending thing. No, yeah. it's... So we yeah. talked earlier, right? Why did they, out of the human needs, why did they do that?
5: The uncertainty?
3: Uncertainty. No. They knew what they were getting into. They knew the experience that they wanted. belonging. Partially, they wanted to feel part of a tribe. But I'm thinking more top chimp status. Yeah. Right? I want to justify my purchase and feel good about it by feeling top chimp. So I'm gonna feel significant in this experience. It, it was
5: important nobody else I knew had actually done it. So it was the first person. Yep. reminded Reminded their stock went down for $386 a share to $38 a share. Yeah, they this,
1: just off all those people thousands of yeah. yeah. I find it interesting. It's
4: hard to figure out what how do you know what scratches they got, what dents, what other tough that you find. You? you have no idea. Same with the CPA, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: Although some, you know, in some industries that's a valuable thing, right? We well, want, want a guy who's been beating up, our girls been beaten up; they got experience. So. I was just going
1: to say, you know, we're all struggling to find employees, right? And yeah. yeah. There's just this incredible, yeah. you know, dearth of, of right. really yeah. top talent. And if I if I take the six human needs and I transform that into okay, I'm not marketing for clients out there,
3: but I'm marketing, yeah. You got it. You <laughs> it's got like it. I
1: could turn that into a recipe for how to attract and to keep my top 10.
3: One of the best ways that we found is putting your core values straight out front and center. What you stand for, what you stand against, and do you have a clear path for me forward? Yeah. Right. Oftentimes, businesses don't—they don't want to lead with core values, which baffles me, because marketing... A business is just as much as detracting who we don't want, just as much as attracting who we do want. And core values are the easiest way for people to identify that with you.
6: Was it Whole Foods? It has them
3: up on the wall. Mm-hmm. She's got them right out in front of here too. All around Yeah, those are
1: our core values. No, she did
3: that before we started working together. Yeah. Was that Rory Baden? No, it's just you.
1: Like liked. <laughs> so these are our core values and our mission. And then when you walk out on the wall um, a year ago, everybody picked their word of the year and then we put them on canvases there on the wall. And when you go into shipping, you can see like we have a word wall of all the words that describe Organized 365.
6: I like the abundance.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: Interesting. Okay. Cool. So we have people call you Alex or Bailey, are you the one? Because I don't see your name on this little card. <laughs> It'd be Alex right now. Okay. Yeah. Are you sales and training? Or- yes.
3: Yep. Gotcha. Still new. It's all good, though. Four years, you said? I've been doing this for... I've been doing digital marketing and ad buying for about eight. Um, so when I should have been studying in college, I was ad buying and playing in the crypto world. But, um, <laughs> I, just, I don't know what I did in college. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, when I started this... Like I said, I was in the float therapy center world, and that's a... Um, It was interesting because I got to see a lot of these play out as far as the human needs. And why people want to go to a spa and experience something new, you would think is the uncertainty, but it really wasn't. It was really hidden. It was the experience that they could go back and then share with their girlfriends and then play the one-up game. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Right? It's not that I went to this new thing and tasted this expensive wine. It was, I went to a new experience and none of you have ever tried before. Now I get to feel like Top Chem.
1: Well, Alex, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. Thank you, you.
4: guys. Thank you very much. AB Active the Hive.